Walter Sports Bar is the spot to watch the NFL in the Navy Yard neighborhood. They preset all indoor TVs and seat first come, first served. Visit waltersdc.com slash NFL for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two balls and a strike, runners first and second, nobody out. And Adone delivers, swing and a fly ball to deep right down the line. This is trouble, and this ball is gone. Into the Nationals' bullpen on a curveball that he got all of. A line drive home run down the right field line, and Jazz Chisholm seemingly always swings for the fences. A three-run homer, now it's the Marlins' five and the Nationals' nothing. Uh, I thought yesterday we were, we were a lot worse. Today it seems like at the beginning they were... Um, they were a lot better. It just, you know, almost, you know, we, we give up a run early and now we're playing catch up. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, September 1st, 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the show, but I am joined by the mastermind of the Nats Chat podcast, Tim Shovers. If you watched the Nats game on Masson on Thursday night, you perhaps heard slash saw Ryan Zimmerman. He was in the booth for a portion of the game. It was great to hear from Zim. You wonder if Ryan Zimmerman himself right now <laughs> could have done better at the plate than a number of Nats did in this game. A 6-1 loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park in game one of a four-game series. The Nats now are 62-73, and 73, so they will not be having a 90-win season that has been clinched. 89 wins would be the best that the Nats could do this season. This episode of the Nats Chat Podcast is brought to you by Lou City Bar. This football season, make lose your spot. Lose in Columbia Heights in Northwest D.C., right by the Metro, the perfect neighborhood spot, and a temperature-controlled patio bar with plenty of televisions. So the Nats in the month of August 2023 went an impressive 17-11. and 11. Hard to complain about that. First winning month for the Nats in a regular season since June 2021, but the Nats did end August with four losses in five games, thanks in large part to an offense that has gone cold. The Nats during this stretch of four losses in five games have totaled just 10 runs, including just five runs over the four losses. Tim, you know, we don't know if this is a blip or if this is kind of what we're looking at for the rest of this season, given that Jamer Candelario is long gone and Lane Thomas now was out on Thursday night due to back tightness and C.J. Abrams has cooled off. But boy, the offense has not been doing much here these last few games. 
When you take Lane Thomas out of this offense, it gets real thin really quickly. Looking at the outfield tonight, Alou, Call, and Jacob Young. I know what we're doing here. We all know where we're at in the rebuild, but uh, that's not really what you want to see on August 31st in your outfield lineup, plain and simple. So when I saw that early, and even though I knew it wasn't Sandy Alcantara on the mound, I knew it was trouble for the Nationals this evening. Yeah, it was uh, really a game in which not a lot was going on with the Nats offensively. So Braxton Garrett was the Marlins starting pitcher, one run in six innings. Uh, He did on Thursday night what we saw Chris Bassett do against the Nationals for Toronto in the Nats loss at the Blue Jays on Wednesday night. I mentioned Lane Thomas. So he was set to start this game. He ended up being a late scratch due to back tightness. He exited the loss at the Blue Jays on Wednesday night due to back tightness. You know, you never know when a guy leaves a game prematurely due to injury, especially, you know, a guy who's having a good season in a game in which the team isn't doing much to say, all right, was he really hurt? Did he just leave the game because the manager wanted to give the guy a few innings off? Well, Lane ended up not playing in this game on Thursday night. So we'll see what happens with the back tightness. There's something appropriate too. I mentioned Jamer Candelario. So Thursday night was exactly one month to the day of the Nats trading away Jamer Candelario. July 31st dealt him to the Chicago Cubs for two prospects. And, you know, initially it didn't feel like the Nats missed Candelario that much, but I think it is important to remember, like Jamer Candelario was a really good player for the Nats this season. For a good chunk of time, you could argue that he was the Nats' best hitter this season. And so being without him does impact the team this year. It's a credit to the Nats that they did as well as they did in August of having traded Candelario on the last day of July. But him out, and like we said, Lane Thomas out, it is a thin lineup. And uh, I mean, you see what happened on Thursday night. The Nats for the game, one run, three hits, two walks, 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. Like, that should be an output for a team over, like, the first two or three innings of a game, maybe. (laughs) That was the output for the Nats for the entirety of this game on Thursday night. Maybe Davey Martinez knew what he was doing by having Ildemar Vargas in the lineup every day in August. He takes him out, and the offense can't do a thing at home. Also, though, seriously, with that, not only was Lane Thomas out tonight, but with Vargas out, that meant Michael Chavis was at second base. So it just had kind of a quad A lineup feel to it from the very start. By the way, I was reminded that Michael Chavis' nickname from back when he was in Boston is the Ice Horse. I don't know if any Nats fans want that information, but there you go. Congrats. You have that. But seriously, though, I know that you and Mark and we've been joking about Vargas being in the lineup every day, but there is a reason why Vargas has been in the lineup every single day, and I'm happy to keep him starting at third. I hope that continues every way throughout the rest of the year so we get enough of a sample size. But, man, as I said, just the lineup – no rally Adams as well. It feels like we might be in a bit of an offensive dry stretch here, Al. It just sort of feels like that in my bones. The team is. I mean, it's a mini stretch for now. We'll see if it becomes a prolonged stretch. It's a funny thing with Vargas because we know about the defensive versatility. We know that he can play well defensively. His OPS for this season is only 629. And it's like, but he has been in the lineup so often lately, in part because of the trading away of Jamer Candelario, but also in part because he's a guy who Davey Martinez has come to trust, didn't start on Thursday night for the first time since August 1st. I mean, that really is something. I mean, I've joked about how Davey has had Vargas as an Iron Man, but, you know, for the month of August, Vargas was an Iron Man <laughs> for the Nats being out there on essentially an everyday basis. So the Nats' lone run in this game on Thursday night came on a CJ Abrams 
RBI sack fly. This happened with one out in the bottom of the fifth, cut the Nats deficit to 5-1. The Nats' three hits on Thursday night were a double and two singles. The double was by Jacob Young. He is the Nats' starting center fielder and number nine batter, one for three with a double and two strikeouts. Seeing that one-run fifth had a one-out opposite field hustle double to right field. If you're looking for some kind of highlight from this game for the Nats, it was that young double. Boy, can he run. And, you know, we know this, that he can run. But, you know, it's one thing to read the stats and hear about, oh, yeah, this guy's fast. When you see this double, I mean, Jacob Young got to second in a hurry on this double on a ball that in a lot of ways looked like it could have been a single. You know, that phrase hustle double definitely applicable to this hit for Jacob Young. Yeah, he really did show the speed there, which is exciting because it shows that maybe there is a spot for him to make a major league roster if he has speed, someone you can use as a fourth outfielder and be a pinch runner late in games. Gives you good opportunity there. I don't know if he's a major leaguer or not, and and we'll see how far he goes. But I will have to say, in the brief time he's been up, um, I've been impressed. He's definitely has taken advantage of his opportunity with his plays in the field and at the bat. He's exciting. I like watching him. I like watching Jake Alou. We're still waiting on Drew Millis to get a start. I'd like to see him. I mean, you know, this is what we're doing here with this team this season. I think the question becomes this. So September has begun. August ended up being really good. Didn't end in a great way. But still, again, like you're not going to sit here and complain about the Nats going 17 and 11 in the month of August. Is this going to be a September in which the Nats really do get cooled off and get humbled and, you know, we look back on our conversations, or at least my conversation on this podcast about the Nats potentially finishing at 500 and laugh and say, you fools, how could you have ever even had that thought? Or does September end up being a second consecutive good month for the Nats? I think this is one of these things you could argue either way right now. Like if you looked into your Nationals crystal ball and you told me September ends up being rough for the Nats, I could see that happening. I mean, the offense struggling shouldn't shock anybody. You do have, in theory, guys like Mackenzie Gore and Jake Irvin not pitching for the entirety of this month of September due to workload limits. We don't know what's going to happen with Josiah Gray in terms of being shut down, but we do know that Gray just had a hideous month of August. The schedule does stiffen in August in terms of games against the likes of the Atlanta Braves and Los Angeles Dodgers and Baltimore Orioles. So yeah, like I could see September being rough. It's not that big of a stretch, especially too when you factor in the Nats had the really good August in part because of some one run wins, some comeback wins, you know, things that aren't easy to duplicate month to month. On the other hand, there is youth on this Nats team. There is energy. There is talent. And I don't think it's that far fetched to think that the Nats could at least play 500 baseball in the month of September. So I'm not sure what we're going to get, but I feel like there exists a wide range of outcomes for what September 2023 could end up being for the Nets. Well, my honest feel, Al, is a bit of a, a negative one, a bit of a pessimistic view for September. And the reason is you talked about what's going to happen with the starting pitching. We're anticipating Mackenzie Gore getting shut down at some point, probably Jake Irvin into that camp as well. We don't know what's up with Josiah Gray. I do want to say while we're here, tip of the cap to the Nets for going... 17-11 in a month that their one all-star was terrible. I don't think I should go without proper praise. But to your point, Al, I think the starting pitch is going to get really rough. Yoan Adon has shown in most of his starts, if he doesn't have a no-hit bid, that he's really not a major league pitcher. And Trevor Williams, though he's stabilized a little bit, we've seen plenty of troubles. I do anticipate September 
being more along the lines of June, that was the month where the bullpen kind of fell out for a little bit for the Nats. And I think we all should have enjoyed what happened in August because by no means is that guaranteed in September. This episode of Nats Chat is brought to you by Lou's City Bar in Columbia Heights. Lou's City Bar wants to elevate your sports bar experience. We're reintroducing Lou's City Bar with new pricing, weekly specials, and fan-favorite brick oven pizzas. Established in 2011 and located in the heart of Columbia Heights in 14th Street Northwest, Lou's offers the perfect neighborhood hangout, featuring a temperature-controlled patio bar, spacious inside bar, and a stadium-like game-time atmosphere. Elevate your sports bar experience with us at Lou's. We're located half a block from the Columbia Heights Metro at 1400 Irving Street Northwest with garage parking available across the street. Explore our dine-in and takeout menu at LouCityBar.com this football season and follow us on Instagram at LouCityBar to stay updated on events and promotions. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, the heat, the humidity, the sky-high temperatures, uh, they all are here. And all of this is forcing your air conditioning into overdrive, leading to ultra-high energy bills. The solution, new windows from the folks at Window Nation. And Window Nation right now is offering a sensational deal to listeners of the Nat Chat podcast. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, no money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off your order, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. If you've been thinking about getting new windows, now is the time. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Hey, Nats Chat. If you need tickets to see Sting perform this Sunday night at Wolf Trap, make sure to check out the Game Time app. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the USA for a reason. Grab the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's your Dylan Cruz update for the game played on Thursday evening in Binghamton, New York. Dylan Cruz back in the lineup, back in center field, hitting leadoff. Though 0 for 4 the night, he did strike out once. He's hitting 120 so far in his brief time at AA. The Harrisburg Centers were shut out 1 to nothing. Now back to the show. A dome sets. Now his pitch. Swing and a ball hit well to left toward the line. That is going to get down and one hop defense. Rounding third is a rise. He will score. To third is Bell. He's held up there by the third base coach, Jody Reed. And into second with a two-out run scoring double is Brian De La Cruz. His 64th run batted in. And the Marlins get the big hit with two out. They lead it one to nothing. Well, you mentioned Yoan Adone. He was the Nats starting pitcher for this 6-1 loss to the Marlins at Nationals Park on Thursday night, and he was not good. He allowed five runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, a three-run homer, two doubles, and six singles. He issued just one walk, but he also issued two hit-by-pitches and two wild pitches. He recorded just three strikeouts. He threw 84 pitches, 50 strikes versus 34 balls. Adone in the top of the first a ladder run on a leadoff opposite field single by Luis Arise to left center field. An infield single by ex-Nat Josh Bell on a ball that went off Adone. And a two-out RBI double by Brian De La Cruz to deep left field for a 1-0 Marlins lead. Adone in the top of the fourth a ladder run on an inning-ending double play. This was a strange play. Bases loaded, one out. Adone induced a Luis Arise liner that second baseman Michael Chavis let drop. Swing a soft line drive toward the second baseman. Chavis lets it drop, then juggles it. Ball rolls to Abrams. He'll step on second for the out, the throw to third for the tag play, but the run will score. So the Nationals get a double play. A smart play by Chavis, but a run did score on the play. The run scored before the uh, second out was obtained. And also, we had this in the inning. Adone getting up two singles and issuing a hit-by-pitch and a wild pitch. But one of the singles was a first-pitch opposite field infield single by Garrett Hampson on a hot shot off first baseman Dominic Smith on a play on which Adone was late to cover first base. You know, we've seen this a few times in recent weeks. Nats pitchers being late to cover first base. There has been a little bit of sloppiness with the Nats lately, even with the success in terms of wins and losses. We have seen pitchers failing to cover first bases. We have seen Nats base runners getting picked off. We have seen Nats batters uh, generate singles and then get thrown out in attempts to stretch those singles into doubles. So something to keep in mind there. And then Adone in the top of the fifth allowed three runs on a leadoff single by Josh Bell through the right side of the infield, a hit by pitch to Jake Berger and a three-run home run by Jazz Chisholm Jr. to right field for a 5-0 Marlins lead. Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Thursday night talked about Adone's mechanics being out of whack. This arm was lagging a little bit in some pitches, so that's why I think he got a little wild. But Tim, this really is crazy what has happened with Yohan Adone in his latest stint at the Major League level. He now has made five starts in this latest stint at the Major League level. He, in each of two starts, teased throwing a no-hitter, including his last outing, which was a game at the Marlins. 7-4 win at Miami last Friday evening. Adone in that game, six scoreless innings. But he, over the other three starts, 
that he has made in this latest stint at the major league level has allowed 13 runs in 12 innings. I just talked about the wide range of outcomes potentially for the Nats in the month of September. How about the wide range of outings from Yoan Adone over these five starts in this latest go-round at the major league level? Two flirtations with no hitters, three other outings that have been really bad. Wow. I mean, this guy is like all or nothing, it feels like right now. All or nothing. And I'm sorry, I really don't want to be pessimistic this episode, but I'm going to look at the three bad starts more, and I'm going to look at the two T's no hitters, as great as those were, when you also throw in what I've seen from a Yoan Adone last season. He did not pitch well this evening. He gave up nine hits off 84 pitches and a walk. I mean, just do some quick math on that. I mean, he gave up five runs in five innings, and honestly, I left sort of impressed in a way because the bottom didn't truly fall out. I mean, he could have given up eight or nine runs, I thought. The first inning... Got out of a jam. It could have easily been 3 nothing right off the bat. But the Marlins really never stopped hitting. They were on top of what was coming. And uh, Yoana Doan should keep getting more starts because there's going to be plenty of starts needed to be filled this month. You know, it's funny. Depending on what happens in September, right, we might look back on August and be like, wow, the Nats went 17-11, all these one-run wins, all of these great comebacks, these quirky ways in which the Nats scored runs, and Yoan Adone teased throwing two no-hitters. You know what I mean? Like You talk about like the improbable things that happened in August. We really might look back on that as like, how the heck did that happen? Yoan Adone nearly tossed a couple of no-nos uh, in the month of August. No doubt, he should continue to get starts. He's a young starter. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's hope for uh, improvement here down the stretch of the season. But there's no doubt, his bad is quite bad. And what he did on Thursday night was reminiscent of what he did last season when he was a starter for the Nats at the major league level. Just things did not go well. So, you know, the guy has talent. It's not like the guy doesn't have ability, but there is a lack of consistency that is pretty apparent. And uh, we're seeing that here right now. A good game for the Nats bullpen on Thursday night. Three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in four innings. Robert Garcia was quite good. Two scoreless innings, four strikeouts. Jordan Weems, a perfect top of the eighth. And Joe LaSorsa, he did allow a run in one inning. He, in the top of the ninth, gave up a two-out solo homer by Jake Berger to left field on an 0-2 pitch for a 6-1 Marlins lead. Yeah, LaSorsa is back. The Nats on Thursday afternoon announced having recalled LaSorsa from AAA Rochester and having play starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore on the bereavement list. Now, Gore had not been scheduled to pitch in this series. Although, remember, things could get tricky with Game 4 of this series. So Game 2 is Friday night at 7.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game 3, Saturday afternoon, 4.05. Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. And then we have Game 4, Sunday afternoon, 1.35. Josiah Gray scheduled to be the Nats starting pitcher, but that could change depending on how his bullpen session on Friday goes. As we uh, mentioned a few minutes ago, Gray had a bad month of August and there has been some talk of his next start maybe being skipped, maybe being pushed back. You know, I don't know how long Gore will be on this bereavement list. You would think if Gray doesn't start on Sunday, Gore would be a candidate to start, although you'd be moving him up a day. Perhaps you don't want to do that. So maybe Gore is not a candidate or never was a candidate to start on Sunday. We'll see. I know you have been a proponent in the past of Patrick Corbin having a start skipped or something being done different with him. Gray obviously is in a much different part of his career than Corbin is in his. But do you think that Gray should be skipped? on Sunday, or at the very least have his next start pushed back? 
Absolutely. I think you should be skipped. I hope so. Davey planted the seeds for it the other day by sort of tiptoeing around his Sunday start and throwing in the caveat of him having a monitored bullpen session on Friday. Just give him a quick breather. I'm a big believer in that. I know the results are usually anecdotal, but from what I typically see, it does work out. And I just want to say while we're here in case Mackenzie Gore does not return from the bereavement list for Sunday, apologies if I mispronounce this here, but Alameo Hernandez, he is a a left-hander. He started on Tuesday for Rochester, so theoretically he might be the starting pitcher that's ready to go and could do a spot start on Sunday to keep that in mind. But yes, Al, I'm actually rooting for a skip start from Gray. I think something needs to be done. I don't know if he has to have his turn in the rotation skipped, but I think pushing him back a few days would not be a bad idea. He's really off right now. It wasn't just that like he had a subpar August. It was a really rough month of August, and you don't want to see Gray's season unravel. You certainly want to see him end his season in a good way. So I was thinking about this during the day on Thursday. We are wrapping up this uh, regular season in which we have this new look schedule in Major League Baseball in which each team faces its division opponent 13 times over the regular season as opposed to 19 times. And it hit me because we have the Nats this weekend facing the Marlins off having faced the Marlins last weekend. You know, this has been an odd season if you're a Nats fan because there have been so many games against non-National League East opponents. At times, the Nats have gone weeks without playing National League East opponents. I've joked that it has felt at times like the Nats are competing to win the American League Central with like all of the non-NL East teams that the Nats are facing this year. Now, my initial reaction to when MLB went to this schedule was good because honestly, I was sick of seeing the Nats play the Marlins 19 times every regular season. Like, I don't think we need to see the Marlins 19 times per year. But I got to tell you, as this season has gone on, I have kind of felt like it is a bit much in terms of non-National League East games for the Nats. And, you know, it almost doesn't feel like you're a part of a division. It feels like you're just one of 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Now, from a competitive standpoint, it probably is a good thing that the Nats are playing the Atlanta Braves 13 times this year as opposed to 19 times this year. But we know that these things can change. Where are you on the 13 versus 19? As we are now deep into this regular season, do you like this or do you feel like something's missing a little bit in terms of teams playing other teams in division? I'm so all in on this new scheduling quirk. Uh, I love it. Bottom line, my number one thing with scheduling is Shohei Otani needs to play in as many ballparks as possible every season. So like my mindset operates basically from that. But more than that specifically, yes, on paper, I think playing 19 times is the right way to handle the divisional setup. And I agreed with it when it began in the mid-90s. But it just got stale. And that's Marlins is the exact example I was going to use. The Marlins just seemed like such a killjoy when they would pop up on the schedule. And it just seemed like every month the Marlins were coming to town. You know, like for instance, the last few years, the Nats haven't played the Phillies until June. So when that happens, you have six series against each other in four months. It feels like all the time. I think it's cooler the way it works out where the only teams that come to your stadium every year, multiple times are your divisional foes. So that to me is where the extra layer of divisional setup comes into play. I've been hoping for this for a while, Al, now that we've seen it in person. And also one other thing, 
whatever separation of church and state used to exist between the NL and AL, that which is eroded over the years, completely gone by the wayside once we have a universal DH. So them playing Minnesota instead of Philadelphia, to me, is just part of it. I would say two things. Number one, I think it's odd the way that even with the Nats only playing 13 games against each NLE's team, you have some of these series condensed so tight. I mean, you have the Nats right now in the midst of a stretch of seven out of 10 games being against the Marlins. You only play the Marlins 13 times. Seven of those games are happening over, what, a week and change here. And then if you look at the schedule in September, the Nats, seven of their final nine games are against the Atlanta Braves. So the Nats, over their final nine games of this regular season, will play more than half of the games that the Nats played against the Braves this season. That just seems odd. Like, you would like for this stuff to be spread out a little bit instead of jammed in so tight like that. The other thing, though, is this, and this piggybacks on what you just said. Something that has come up is radical realignment in MLB. And if MLB does ever expand again, and I think there's an expectation that that will happen, when exactly, we don't know, but we've heard about Nashville, Montreal has come up. But the thing to do would be to go from 30 to 32, because 32 is a nice even number with which you can do a lot of creative things in terms of divisions. And what has come up is like big time geographical realignment. And, you know, specific to our region, you could have like a mid-Atlantic division where you have the Nationals and the Orioles and the Philadelphia Phillies. And like you really do regionalize the divisions. And so, you know, you could have like a California division with, you know, the California teams. You could have the Florida teams all be in the same division. There are some things you'd have to figure out in terms of the specifics. And I don't know that this would be popular or not, because you would risk breaking up some historical rivalries, although not necessarily. I mean, you know, if you did like a Northeast division, you could still have the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees in the same division. If you did the California division or something like that, you still could have the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants in the same division. But, you know, I do wonder about that because one thing with the Nats, as you know, long as the team now has been here in D.C. and we're coming up, you know, soon on 20 years, right? There really isn't a rivalry. As someone who has lived in the D.C. area my whole life, I don't feel this extreme attachment to the National League East. And while, you know, no Nats fan is a big Phillies fan or a big Mets fan or a big Braves fan, I don't think you feel this thing of like, oh, we always have to be in the same division as those teams. Like, I think there could be an openness to maybe being in the same division as, say, the Orioles or something like that. So, you know, I don't know how likely this is. I know it has come up in terms of like, you know, what could be with MLB, especially if expansion does take place. But, you know, just in talking about the schedule and thinking about things, I do wonder about that sometimes. Like, you know, say five, 10 years from now, are we going to see something totally different in terms of what the divisional setup in MLB is? I think that's what's next. The latest thing that Manfred had been working on in addition to CBA was the pitch clock. It is my guess, my hunch, that this will be the next iteration along with expansion and what to do with Tampa and assuming that the thing goes into Las Vegas. So with the Nats and the Orioles and all that, if I had five minutes with Rob Manfred, the one thing I would push for is to put the Mets and Yankees, White Sox and Cubs, etc. in the same division. It's time. It just feels like it. Them being on opposite leagues and opposite ends of the universe, it's just simply outdated. People still to this day talk about how magical the Brooklyn Dodgers-New York Giants pennant race was in 1951. Like 
There's a reason why that stuff's so famous. So I would push hard for that. Agree, there's no magic to the Nationals being in NL East because they've been here for not even 20 years. I really hope, though, we don't get 32 teams and we stick at 30. As it is, we have too many teams competitively. I don't want 10 more starting pitchers. I don't want 24 or 25 more pitchers added to the pitcher pool. Like, it flat out just isn't good enough. I know steroids are the main reason why McGuire and Sosa hit so many home runs in 1998, but it also shouldn't be forgotten that that was an expansion year as well, and there were some awful pitching staffs, Montreal Expos being at the top of that list that season. So I really hope we don't get that just so we can get a nice, clean number because it would not be in the best interest of the game. But I really, though, feel strongly it's time for the Nats and the O's to be in the same division. Well, you know, and I know, and everyone listening to this knows that when it comes to expansion and reasons to expand and reasons not to expand, it's never about the quality of play. It's always about something very, very simple. It is the thing that governs so much in our lives, and that, of course, is money. And if there is money to be made, if there are expansion fees to be paid, if there is additional playoff revenue to be generated, then you can bet your bottom dollar, pun intended, that we will be getting 32 teams in MLB. But when is the question? We don't know how soon something like that might happen. We could be decades away from that happening. We don't know. Anyway, uh, lots to chew on, you know, fun stuff to talk about. We always enjoy hearing from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. This episode of the Nats Chat Podcast brought to you by Lose City Bar this football season. Make lose your spot in Columbia Heights in Northwest D.C., right by the Metro Lose City Bar, the perfect neighborhood spot, and a temperature-controlled patio bar with plenty of televisions. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Don't forget to check out our website, NatsChatPodcast.com. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Check out his site, TimNewmark.com. For Tim Shovers, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Kicks and unloads, swinging a fly ball to center. Hill hesitates, measuring it, now drifts back. He's still going back, it's over his head, and he stabbed it over the shoulder up against the wall almost. Japaro back to second base. What a catch that ended up being from Derek Hill. My goodness. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.